Hello and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I am your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, my guest is Sarah Morris from Mello Velo. Well, I recorded this conversation with Sarah a couple of, actually, maybe a month ago. Jeez, it may have been a month ago. Uh, it was the last episode that we recorded in the old studio. Since then, we've moved here into our brand new studio, which is just right next door, but twice as big. And yeah, we're excited to be in here. If you're listening to this, though, chances are that you're not watching our episodes on YouTube. And I don't know if you knew this, but you can head over to our YouTube channel and see the video version of every single one of our podcast interviews along with catching our new content like the show Will It Ferment? How can you take everyday items from around your house or the store, things that you didn't even know that you could take, to make alcohol out of them? In our latest episode, the guys tried to make alcohol out of a number of delicious things, but maybe they're not so delicious when you try to ferment them, like four cheese instant rice. Can you turn that into alcohol and consume it without dying? Well, Tune in to Will It Ferment and find out. Or our other show, Hoagie's Heroes, hosted by myself and my good friend, Zach Cavallo, uh, where we sit down, take a new food item every single week, and talk about food history, along with comparing the item from two local restaurants to see who has the best. Our latest episode, we sat down and talked about chicken riggies and then ordered the chicken riggy dishes from... Francesca's Cucina and Pastability to see who made the best. So head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe to get all of our content that's coming out. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter to catch it there as well. Well, without further ado, here's my conversation with Sarah Morris from Mello Velo. Well, I should probably introduce. So we're sitting here with Sarah uh, Morris from uh, Mellow Velo. Um, I have been uh, so I've had been up to the bike shop when you were in Westcott um, years a few years back, years ago when I uh, got really into cycling. Jeez, uh, so that was like five years ago. Uh, yeah, about five, five and a half years ago. Um, and uh, obviously, been down to the new uh, new location. Absolutely, I used to go there for lunch, a little uh, quite often with my uh, coworkers, former coworkers at Cafe Kubal, and uh, am absolutely in love with the uh, uh, Parmesan chicken wings. Oh yeah, I would not expect <laughs> Mello Velo for some reason. You know, first time I went to Mello Velo, I was like expecting uh, um, like a smaller Stronghearts, right? I was like, <laughs> it was going to be all vegan beet salad stuff, <laughs> and then I got those wings, and they're like some of the best in town. Thanks. So good job. Yeah, we love those wings. <laughs> we love a good wing. <laughs> so what year did you start the original shop up in Westcott? Um, we started in November of 2009, yeah. and it was just the one space mm-hmm. as in just the bike shop. And, you know, uh, started in winter on the second floor, as you may remember. Yeah. It was very empty. It was like a, a, like you can go on Facebook and look at the pictures. It's very, it's hilarious. I can't even, I don't even know what we were thinking, (laughs) but we got through that. And, um, yeah, we, in 2011, we, um, 
purchased the like equipment, some of the equipment from Second Story, which was the cafe next door, and we just busted through the wall and mm. expanded the bike shop sales floor, and then kept yeah. just a, we started with a very simple menu that just kind of grew mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. What um, I mean, I know from you know listening for when we did because we were on the podcast for Gerhars uh, last week. So uh, from listening to that, so the story is you guys went on your honeymoon uh, to Amsterdam. Is that correct? No, not um, Amsterdam. We well, we went to. Well, I was thinking about it, and we actually that when we got married, we didn't like it was a very budget wedding yeah. that we did ourselves, and then we were working our butts off, so we didn't actually get to go on a honeymoon, and then okay. we went on like a a mini honeymoon, and then our real honeymoon was. Um, to Copenhagen, right, Copenhagen, Amsterdam, and um, we went to Brussels. It was okay. like a little cool. mini Europe yeah. trip in the middle of November <laughs> when we could take a break. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys do before you uh, got married and started the bike shop? Um, so I we were both students. So I um, went to SU for industrial design, okay. and when I graduated, it was the recession. So 2009 <laughs> – there were no jobs at all. Like yeah. I couldn't even get a serving job. I remember like applying everywhere and just being so disheartened. Like I think I applied, I don't know, some like cheesecake factory. It wasn't here, Yeah, but like something like that, something like that. And you had to take like this really long test. And <laughs> really? I was like, I failed the test. <laughs> I didn't get hired. But anyway, so, um, Graduated, feeling bummed out about that. Steve still had like a year left of school. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I guess I'll stick around here, see what I can do. And um, Are you from here? No, I'm from the D.C. area. Okay. So um, in Virginia. Yeah. And Steve's from Rochester. So we're both like transplants here. Yeah. Um, But... For my thesis for industrial design, I actually ended up designing a pop-up bike shop out of like a shipping container, and I had done all this research, and we lived in this house um, right behind where the bike shop was on Trinity and South Beach, and we had a garage that we did repairs out of and kept doing that um, and saw the space for rent on Westcott, and Mm. we were just like, hmm, we should order or open a bike shop. That would be (laughs) a cool idea. And then, you know, went down that rabbit hole of, uh, we went to the SBA, got help um, figuring out how to write a business plan, Mm. and got a tiny little loan, and just made it happen. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, we're pushing, you're pushing like 12 years later, right? Yeah. So, um Give me the like a short answer. I maybe I'll probably ask you for the long answer yeah. later on. But <laughs> the short answer is, if you could go back to two thousand and nine, would you still do it? Oh man, I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm. I go back and forth. With this there, you. <laughs> I think just like having been in business this long, mm-hmm. you go through periods of like being grateful and then loving it, and then just being burnt out. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, I, I think I would do it again. Yeah. I, I mean, 
I don't know. I still don't know what else I would do, right. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the grass is always greener. But, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I, I would have, I guess, if I had known that this was our path, I would have maybe like taken some business classes in college or yeah. done some other stuff. Yeah. But I never thought that this would be a thing. Yeah. COVID or having the bike shop for having, years? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> you know, growing up in D.C., um, well, I should say the, like, D.C. Metro area. The metro yeah. area. Like, uh, I have family in, like, Fairfax and yes. stuff like that. So I, I grew up in Reston, and it's a lot of, you know, strip malls. Yeah. And, like, small businesses weren't thing really i mean they were but like a very different context mm-hmm. so it just like never occurred to me that that was something that you could do if you didn't have yeah like connections or a ton of money mm-hmm. or you weren't like a, yeah. a a big corporation so i don't know just yeah yeah but um i never really th- you know it's uh I still don't know if I feel I I feel more like a business owner today than I did last year at this time. Um, but I just had breakfast with my old high school football coach and social studies teacher, and uh, he works up at SU now. and And um, uh, he had reached out like a month and a half ago or so, and and you know uh, invited me to breakfast. So, um. You know, it's just kind of weird when you think about like people you're going to connect with from like when, especially when you're you know that young. When I was that young, um, two years ago. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but from back then, it just like you think about like what people are doing today. Like what were your old, your old high school friends doing? Or oh, people, yeah. you know, like what are they up to? And for me, I have you know high school friends that were uh, or used to be high school friends uh, or friends in high school that are now like lawyers and you know like nurse practitioners and you know. I'm sure some are in jail or some are, you know, working at Walmart and some are, you know, stock yeah. trader, right? Whatever. Uh, the whole gamut. Um, but it just, you know, I kind of like, I was thinking about it and like, is it impressive? I guess. Not trying to like be impressive, like be a right. douche or anything like that. But um, just like, you know, you kind of think of like, all right, well, what have you done with your life sort of a thing? Yeah. I feel like we, Steve and I have kind of, always struggled with that because when we opened the shop we were so young we really i mean i was 23 Mm. i think he was 25 so Mm. you know we're bike shop owners but we always (laughs) kind of felt like you know uh kids or like so you know always kind of like the younger people if we go to uh uh like bike demo or conference or whatever it is and um but to a lot of people, it's like, oh, they own this business. But it's like not even a yeah. thing because, <laughs> you know, people who own businesses come in all the time and it's just like, yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, So do you still feel like the uh, bike shop owners or do you feel like um, established? Um, Not that owning a bike shop isn't being established. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that we've grown into ourselves a Mm. lot um you know (laughs) i kind of just 
I don't even know what to think of myself anymore, but I feel like just, you know, I'm the bike shop mom. <laughs> like, I just do all the mom duties. Yeah. Like, I, things that you don't even know mom does, like, in the background, <laughs> like, that invisible work, but yeah. it's, like, done for you. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, we both, I think, have figured out our, our strengths a little bit better and have figured out how to assemble the team and, uh, delegate. Yeah, that's good. Which is, that's important. Critical. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, I don't know if it was, I don't know if you guys stumbled upon that out of, um, necessity or training. I still, I mean, this is tiny. I mean, that's a very different story talking about, being a business owner at Mellow Vela where you have the bike shop and the cafe uh, versus eat local New York. But um, there's things that I'm like, I'm not good at that and I'm never going to be good at that. And I need to find someone to do that for me. Uh, but then it's always wanting to, it's like, it's kind of the bad, it's, I struggle with, all right, is it a better business decision to struggle through this and figure out how to do it? Or do I just hire the person and get it over with? Yeah, I feel like we have a problem where it's um, we can do a lot of things ourselves. Mm. So we uh, try, we're just stretched too thin. So, like, and sometimes, of course, you know, it's always like easier sometimes if you do it yourself. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But then you end up doing too many things. Yeah. And, sometimes not well because right. you're doing too many things. Um, but yeah, for sure. It's a constant struggle. Yeah. I need to get to that point. I, I mean, we, so I, the, it eat local. I, we don't, I don't pay myself anything. And, uh, we've been, I think we're coming up. I think February is five years. I'm pretty sure it's five. I don't think it's six yet. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, but so I don't pay myself anything. That's why I work my nine to five job at Gerhar's. Um, but I have a, like a, a contractor employee who she's our community manager, just connects with the restaurants that are on the card every month and sees if they need anything from us. Uh, make sure like the card's going well and yada, yada, yada. But, um, last year we, or this, this is our first full year of like being an LLC. So taxes are very different this year. And I just hired an accountant to take care of it. And, oh, yeah. I like went home last night and told my wife, Oh, by the way, I got the, you know, contract from them and it's going to cost us this much. And, you know, she was like, are you sure? Why don't you just do it yourself? (laughs) No, like that's one thing. Like with, I mean, I, I love to do bookkeeping stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like nerdy and I like to enter my spreadsheets and like (laughs) enter stuff into QuickBooks. And I like, it's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but we have an accountant and we have had one since, one walked into our door like however many years yeah. ago 12 yeah 11 <laughs> and yeah that's critical yeah i love the numbers of it too um uh and i you know we use quickbooks but i hate like in my on my in my personal finances i have a spreadsheet and i used to do it with just little tiny notebooks i would carry around with me I, I learned when I was probably 24 
that I can't spend cash because if I have cash, I have no yeah. recollect, like I have no comprehension of how much total money I have. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, um, and so I'm just spending money. And, uh, so I would always have to carry a notebook. So if at the end of the day I would spend money and then I would deduct it all, I'd have my running balance and I would realize, okay, uh, it's not much money you have left. So this is what you have to, you know, yeah. use. Uh, and I, I don't do that. I do that with the business a little bit, but not as much. But even today, I still have this really detailed per, in my personal finances, uh, like records. But in the business, I just can't make that connection. I don't know what it is. Hmm. Not like, interested at all. It's fr- very frustrating. Huh. Interesting. It's very frustrating. Well, I mean, everything's like <laughs> digital, so you can like you know look up your credit card yeah. transactions and right. all that. Um, pretty. I mean, but yeah, I yeah. feel you. It's frustrating. That's the biggest, the thing that I'm learning most uh, as the business develops is how much money you have to uh, keep around just to uh, pay others so that way you can stay in business. (laughs) I mean, like this is crazy to think about, but I think this is the longest streak of months since COVID happened. Mm -hmm. Like at first we didn't, but this is the longest streak that we have, Steve and I have paid ourselves a consistent salary. Really? Yes. Because mm. we would go without, we yeah. would, you know, this, the winter previous to this was probably like the scariest winter we've ever had. And I think really? a lot of, a Be- lot of like restaurants were super duper dead before COVID before COVID. Yeah. We were so slow and the bike shop was so slow. Yeah. Had a lot of staff and it was Mm. scary times. I was like, I was having panic attacks and like Mm. we actually had to, you know, like to meet payroll, use our personal credit cards, which was like horrifying to think about but like it all worked out in in the end but is that the first time that it ever happened? yes you know first time ever yeah. but it was like horrifying and i was like i failed like yeah. what did i do it's all my fault <laughs> like yeah. you know it was super scary but you know just to think about like this 12 year journey and still like you know oh we should have it yeah. made and like no like right you don't like um Anybody that I know that has a small business like gives it their all and they're all in. And yeah. I feel like you get to that level finally, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully by year fifteen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But I owned a uh, a furniture store when I was twenty one, mm-hmm. and um, tiny, tiny. It was like I mean, um, have you have you ever seen those telephone poles? It's like queen mattress for yes. like really cheap. So that was like the business model that I had, right? <laughs> okay. um, I had a business partner, and we were we had a like this warehouse. It was supposed to be like liquidation, like the you know dirt cheap stuff, right? So uh, it's not like it was a Raymore and Flanagan, uh, right. like a big furniture store. Um, so anyway, so when I was twenty one, I had put at the time what I thought was pretty significant, uh, a few thousand dollars of my uh, 21-year-old life savings into this furniture store and and had everything in my name. And we had the store open for a year, and we opened it, like, December of, tw- of 2007. So then, then, like, the first few months were great when we first opened, and then we went into the whole 2008 uh, crisis. And um, people just weren't spending money on furniture 
and stuff at that time, especially from like a crappy warehouse place, right? <laughs> and uh, made some really stupid financial decisions. We took out like I took out twenty thousand dollars in personal like name loans to run like commercials on television, which oh, yeah. didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, just bad ideas, yeah. right? Like bad decisions. And um, and I can remember like it. it you know, I was 21 years old, so I knew nothing. And I went to school at the time. I had my associate's degree in sound engineering, right? So I knew nothing about nothing. I still don't know a lot. But back <laughs> then, I was yeah. really dumb. Um, and we were paying ourselves way too much money for any business, you know, for right. a first-year business like that. Uh, but, yeah, as times got tight throughout that year, it was like, okay, there's no – you don't get paid this week. Yeah. Um, you know, that money now has to go to this. Now, granted, I was 21 years old. I was living with my parents at the time. You know, I wasn't married. I didn't really have any responsibility. Right. You know, I had this store and that was it. Um, but it was very, very scary. I can remember very, like, if we got our sales to, and at the time, the first, for the first few months, I thought sales tax was free money. I didn't understand oh, that that went to the state. And yeah. so, when we first got our like when we got our first tax bill and things had just started to go bad i can remember late nights up there just uh walking around and really being in a bad spot i mean oh, yeah. being a small business owner in tough times is a dangerous place to be yes i mean you're like it's crazy like the mental gymnastics that you have to do to like just float through sometimes but you yeah. know it's always it's like knock on wood again <laughs> it's always worked out for us yeah i mean it, it's just the nature of being so seasonal too um because the bike shop obviously we're busy yeah when the weather is nice yeah because but although you know i think what really kind of got us through that those winters being in westcott is we were located in an area where people did ride their bikes all through the winter. And, you know, right now, like we're still, we're still pretty busy. Like, Oh really? And, you know, I think it's just, I think cycling culture has changed too a lot. I mean, we have, I feel like our customer base is very different, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I love, you wouldn't know it by looking at me, but I am very into cycling. Um, I, years ago, um, uh, actually the book's on the coffee table. I read Walk Across America with Peter Jen- by Peter Jenkins, and it's this guy, takes place in the 70s. But he lived in Alfred, New York at the time. And long story short, walked across the country uh, to try and like get to know America and the people and da-da-da-da-da. So... Um, it's actually, it's a two, two book series, but yeah, he's just walking across the country. So I've always been, ever since I read that, I've always been fascinated by like really long distance things mm-hmm. and maybe 10 years. Yeah. I, Cause they just came up on the 10 year anniversary. So maybe like nine years ago, I stumbled upon, uh, ride the divide, the documentary by, um, Mike Dion. I think that's his name. And then he did the one on the Trans Am bike race and that, caught me like poof holy cow oh yeah um and so i got really really (laughs) really into the trans am bike race i was obsessed with it um and this is 
I stopped riding my bike like a month before I met. So like almost uh, three and a half years ago, maybe four years ago. And uh, so I was I was determined I was going to compete in the Trans Am bike race. Not really compete because, yeah. you know, but because uh, like the world like record was like 14 days uh, to ride across the country. So I got really into it. I was like I went out and bought a bike that was definitely way too expensive for my level uh, of uh, ability <laughs> and um, uh, like bought all of the bike packing gear and you know, everything that I could. And I was riding every single day. Uh, I had already signed up for the race and so today's 2020. So this would have been 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. I think I was going to, I was going to try and, uh, do the race in 2018. And so I, um, I took my vacation at like Columbus day weekend in October and from work. And my plan was to ride my bike from my house in, uh, we live on the north side, to ride my bike from the north side and then up around Lake Ontario and come back. I was going to take a week to do that. And so, and the longest ride that I'd ever done leading up to that day was uh, like maybe 35 miles at once. And so, but I was going to do it. So uh, I packed, I had like, you know, I had my bike loaded down and, had my passport and I was ready to go. So <laughs> I left my house at like five in the morning, went up route 11 for a ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, the long story short is that I made it to, uh, Alexandria Bay. So I got like a hundred done that ride in heavy, one day yeah. yep, from our house. <laughs> so I got up there and, um, uh, it, the ferry like had just shut down the weekend before. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go over the bridge. And um, I got up there, and I put in my GPS, like, Alexandria Bay, which it's still... Did you do... Because I think that was the longest ride that um, Steve and I have actually ever ridden in one day, okay. still, to this day. Yeah. Like, from our house to Alex Bay, I think it was 100... Like, we got sidetracked, but I think it was 120 miles. Okay. Did you do yeah. it in one day? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, uh, nine hours, maybe. Uh, like with stopping, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I had some, it was pretty funny. I was like riding up past Brewerton and, um, uh, on route 11 and it was like still dark out and it was, people were already decorated for Halloween and there was <laughs> like this shanty motel somewhere up there and they had, um, they had put out for their decorations basically, uh, like skeletons, on these posts, like right on the side of the road, that were in wedding dresses. Cool. So it was like, demo- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when it's still dark out and the sun's yeah, just coming up creepy. and you're on your bike, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, I'm <laughs> legitimately getting freaked out. Oh, yeah. And as I'm like staring at this, trying to figure out what the hell it is, uh, I ran over a wire hanger and it got caught up in my back. Oh no! Wait, did that? Did that? Was that the end? No. Oh okay. Uh, I wound up stopping and realizing that it was a it wasn't real. There wasn't like a demon bride on the side of the road about to kill me. And I got the hanger out and I kept riding. Um, No, I made it up to A Bay and I stopped and I was like looking around and. Met some couple who had just taken their boat, like, and docked there, and um, they started talking to me and asking me where I was riding from, and yada yada yada. Um, 
I looked up in the distance and saw the bridge and realized I was still like five miles away. So my plan on day one <laughs> was to make it into Kingston. And I figured I'd sleep somewhere wow. and then try and go over to Toronto and then Buffalo and so on and so forth. So uh, I got up there. I wound, There's a pizza shop like right there. So I ended up going to this pizza shop and sitting down and getting a slice of pizza. And I called my friend back here, uh, who at the time was my drinking buddy. And this was a Friday was the, the day that I did it. So I called him up and he was like, he's like, hey, how's the ride going? And I told him, I was like, I'm at a pizza shop in a bay right now. I'm, you know, trying to decide, do I want to get a hotel here or do I want to like go over the bridge and into Kingston? And and he said, uh, uh, he said, well, I just bought a 30 pack of uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> if you just want to come back home and we can drink instead. And so this is this is so sad. Uh, this is not a good story. This is not a happy ending. Uh, I wound up <laughs> uh, calling a local rental car company in A Bay, and I rented a car oh and drove back to Syracuse and instead drank with my buddy that night. And oh. I did not complete the ride after that. Oh, that no. was it. That was well, uh, you had. A good goal. I had a really good goal, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could still do it, right? Couldn't you? I could, and that is eventually the plan. So I wound up meeting my wife a month later, and um, and then that's another very long story of job transfers and stuff. But I want to – I never – I mean, I've ridden my bike since then. But, uh, yeah, that was my long-distance journey. I I really want to do the the, uh, fanny ride that goes across New York State. I think Mm that would be fun. Oh, yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, eventually I'd love to do the Trans Am. I think that'd just be, yeah. I mean, such an amazing experience to, oh, yeah. to ride across the country like that. For sure. Yeah. But it's, uh, you should do it. I know. You yeah. still have your bike, right? Still have my bike. I have a specialized, uh, is it Roubaix? Is that mm-hmm. right? Yep. There's. Yeah. Uh, so I have that and, um, love that bike, you know, it's a great bike. Still have all the bike packing gear and all that kind of stuff, and you know it's all ready to go. I just need to, you know, get in shape and train for it, and yeah, ride my you bike can, for lots and it. lots of miles. I know. And so the trail is opened up, right? The Erie Canal Trail. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, you can pretty much go through all the new sections now. Yeah, which are pretty awesome. It's all connected. That's great. Yeah. Um, I. I used to, on Sunday mornings when I was training, I would get up and ride my bike uh, from my house out to, um, like, uh, Camillus, like the four corners out there and then back. On the trail? (laughs) I would just go roads. Okay. Um, The roads always freaked me out in some places, but the thing I hated about trails is I didn't know what I was going to be on. Like, I didn't know if it would be paved or gravel, and and I have gator skins on it, but still, I don't know if it's going to you know, how it's going to handle on, I mean, it's a Roubaix, so it's supposed to, but I don't know how it's going to handle on gravel or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, you'd be fine. If the canals, there's nothing crazy. Yeah. But, but it's good to get on the roads because they're hillier. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so I had ridden one morning out. uh, My plan was to like go out to Camillus and pick up the Erie Canal trail from there and then keep going West for, you know, a few miles. When I got out, there was, you know, dark and super early in the morning. Uh, that was the time I always liked to ride. I didn't like to ride like midday or anything like that or at night just because I was riding from the city. So you've got like six miles of city roads before you kind of get away from anybody. 
Right. Well, I mean, that's, I don't know. I think that's part of the reason that we stay in this area. Cause like you're, you have this city, which is awesome. And that density. And then it takes two seconds basically. And yeah. you're out into beautiful country. Yeah. Any which way you go. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but so I would always go out early. So I would go route five, you know, all the way through. And, and when you're kind of coming out of Camillus, you have that massive hill that, you know, you're coming back up if mm-hmm. you're heading towards the city. And, um, uh, I don't, this wasn't one of the last times that it was maybe one of the last few times that I had ever gotten on the bike, uh, like consistently, but I was coming up that hill on the second half of my ride and really struggling up that hill. And then, uh, um, all of a sudden I heard somebody's gear shift and I looked, I didn't hear anything until then, but I heard the gear shift like right behind me and this guy just comes flying up. Oh yeah. (laughs) I had a moment like that this summer, like, well, um, our daughter is five now, but I, I did not get to ride my bike very often, like having a young child yeah. and a business. And we were just like <laughs> working on the building. It was, yeah. did not happen a lot, but like this past summer I was proud of myself and I like rode it. We live in Marcellus now, so I rode okay. into work and it's, you know, it's a, it's a good ride. Yeah, it's- um, and I was feeling good about the progress I had made. Like I was getting to work pretty fast, like sub one hour. And I was like, Oh man, this is awesome. And (laughs) then I was going up a hill and this old dude, same thing. (laughs) Like I hear like a rusty chain. I'm like, somebody (laughs) needs to lube their chain. And then he just powers right past me. And I'm like looking at his bike and it's like a Walmart Schwinn. And I have, my bike is kind of fancy. It's not like crazy, but you know, I have nice campy parts on a vintage steel bike and this guy's just flying. He's flying. I was like, Oh my God. Like, and then I legitimately tried to catch him and I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) So more power to you, dude. Yeah. That's (laughs) hilarious. I did. Um, I set out on whatever day of the week it was to go. I was going to do a loop from like the back roads on a dog, hill to skinny Atlas and then cut over to Auburn and come up through Elbridge and then route five back, back home. And, uh, so I did that. I told a buddy of mine, uh, that I was doing that by the time I hit skinny Atlas in the morning, uh, he had texted me and he was like, hey, I'm going to be in Elbridge. Uh, if you want to like meet up and get coffee or something. So I met him like right on route five, like right outside of Elbridge mm-hmm. in this parking lot. I saw him like pull in and I had had such a great ride. And as I pull in like to the parking lot to come to a stop right where he's at, I like stop and my clip just didn't come out. I just Oh, yeah. Everybody's got it. Yeah, I got one of those in front of somebody. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, I I really do. There's there's, it's very uh, uh, peaceful and relaxing to be on a bike. Oh, yeah. You know, very mind clearing. Yes, for sure. Especially when you're out there by yourself uh, for a long time. You know, yeah, it's a really great experience. Yeah, that's like I. Yeah, it's weird because we've been in this business for so long. It's like, was it when it is your passion, mm-hmm. and then you start working. Yeah. Then you learn to not. It's not really your passion for a little <laughs> bit. And I was definitely in the. You know, it's just funny too because like I've I've you know, it, it used to just be Steve and I, and then we hired our first employee, like who was a friend from school, and you know. 
we we've had like this these great employees throughout the years that you know come go to school they come they leave they're like you know, they're usually like the best ones are usually on the up and up and they're yeah. like here for a little bit and then they move back home or wherever they're going yeah. in life but you know even some of our crew who is awesome right now that we have like i think like i realize that they don't understand our story fully yeah. and they don't understand like um like because i i have some young mistake like yeah. bike related tattoos <laughs> and you know some, somebody asked me about them because they didn't get it because you know they had never really seen me ride my bike mm-hmm. don't really know that i can fix bikes or i know anything about bikes <laughs> um and you know I, yeah i yeah. it you start to be separate from yeah where you started so um I don't even know where I was going with this story. Well, what's, well, what's your challenge with that? I mean, it's because I, I get that. I mean, I've heard um, uh, up until this year, uh, we started a coffee company um, in August, September, or September. We started a coffee company. Tiny, tiny, tiny. I mean, it's just like family and a few random people have bought coffee from us. And it just exists online. It's not supposed to be some massive conglomerate, you know, but... Um, so we started that and that's when, uh, and the sounds kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, douchey, but that's when I started to feel like a little bit of an entrepreneur. Like up until then, it felt like all of this was really just kind of like a time consuming hobby. Right. So I started to feel like a little bit of like something then. Um, but Throughout the years, uh, listening to like different podcasts and trying to get educated from different influencers or, or whatever, I used to listen to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk, and um, and he said it before too. Like every day, every single day, it's one moment you're like, "Wow, I am doing everything well, and I am God's gift to the business owner of this industry." <laughs> and then an hour later, you could feel like the biggest piece of trash and why do I, why am I even doing this? I'm oh, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, every single day. So, um, and I feel like that too, like right now in this, like today in this moment in time, um, I feel like I'm doing an okay job at this stuff at eat local New York. Cause we have our marketing side of the business. Um, and we've just, for some reason in the past like week, we've, a uh, bunch of restaurants have been reaching out to hire us, so that's great. Um, moving closer to the goal, but it means that like four of the nights this week, I've been working until eight or nine o'clock. It's the hustle. Yeah, <laughs> which I kind of yeah, I kind of hate. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, you gotta. I mean, I feel like. What, part of what's changed with us too more recently is I mean personally I guess on a like my own mm-hmm. level I I don't feel like I really have anything to prove anymore it's like okay <laughs> you yeah. know I I know what I know yeah I feel confident in what I know mm-hmm. um like whatever you're saying is not going to change that yeah um but also we Steve and I have kind of 
figured out the maximum that we can take (laughs) before it's really bad. And you just have to set those boundaries and like with yourself, like with doing work at home or family time or, um, and Mm. just with other people because like, um, you know, that was kind of what we struggled with moving into this new, the, uh, our new location was just, it was something that we had been working towards for so long and we had, had so much struggle up to that point, like just getting it open and then like finally being there and then struggles of like being in a new space and basically reopening a new business. Cause it was yeah. completely different. Um, that like, it was just go, 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 go. And it had been go, 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 go for yeah. 10 years. So yeah, there just has to be a point where you're, you have to say, I can't give any more of myself <laughs> because people will always want more. Yeah. So do you find it, um, easier or more difficult or just different to be in this location than when you were in Westcott? Oh my God. Like night and day. Um, I mean, you said you had been to our store. Yeah, for sure. Like, do you like, do you recall yes. having to tiptoe yeah. and like shimmy through everything yeah. and like, hurt yourself on a bike and you know, it was dirty and like the roof was like, (laughs) there were always like electrical issues or like the roof. Like we're on the second floor. There's no space for anything. We're just like trapped up there. (laughs) I had gone there to look for, I think like my second bike because my first bike was literally a friend called me at eight o'clock PM on a weeknight and said, I'm going for a bike ride. Do you want to go with me? And I didn't have a bike. So I got in my car and drove to Walmart and bought a, a mongoose mountain bike. And we rode around the north side, you know, really yeah. super late. And um, so I went to the shop in Westcott to look for a second bike. And I remember walking up, and I forget who it was that helped me, but um, I told him what I was looking like, what I was looking for. And he was like, oh, you know, here's this one. Do you want to take it out for a test ride? And I remember thinking to myself, like, is there a track up here? Or? And he was like, I'll carry it down. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, well, it's kind of funny because we thought we had escaped the stairs, like, up and down, up and down. Yeah. But, like, our new space is also very vertical. So we're always going to the basement. Like, you know, it's we're just used to it. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we wanted to be in control of our own space. And, like, yeah, um, yeah we wanted to buy a building and did all the, you know, yeah. the renovations and all that. But are you happy with the location? Like now you've been yeah. there for a little bit. I mean, at first it was like kind of a stretch, but, um, obviously we loved the Westcott neighborhood and we wanted to stay in the Westcott neighborhood, but we had exhausted all the potential options and, our, we were working with a realtor and he uh, showed us this building and, you know, you saw the pictures and it was like this graffiti dump and we we're like, no way. <laughs> and we're like, okay, whatever. Like we looked at another building and it was, you know, it would have been okay. We actually almost, um, where Rick has uh, on the corner, the, why am I blanking on the name? The Mexican. Uh 
right across from the kitty corner from the gear factory. Uh, oh, Ponchitos. Uh, Ponchitos. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was like Mexican. It was like, yeah. Um, so we almost bought that building. Oh, okay. And super glad we did not. Yeah. Um, because we love our home. Yeah. Now. And, like, I think about it a lot, like, leaving work late. And I'm like, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with street parking <laughs> downtown or yeah. anything like that. It's just, I like. Yeah. It's fun to see it from the highway <laughs> yeah for sure yeah yeah i love the location i love the building um uh yeah just everything about it really uh yeah it it's really like, is, it's really it's a weird building for sure like it yeah but it fits yeah 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 with, yeah with our um you know we kind of wanted it to be like a destination place so you know the idea is like if you're on a bike you are yeah surrounded and immersed in your environment anyways like going to this place Mm -hmm. is not a big deal and it's not a big deal for cars anymore no one could ever find us on westcott and it's right on the erie canal and yeah yeah so yeah because route five is the bike is the bike route isn't it yep yeah yeah it really is it's a great spot and it's gorgeous inside and Everything about it's comfortable. The back little alley patio. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, I ordered quite a few, uh, during COVID, I would come here during the day and I mean, as COVID still exists, but during yeah. quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At first. <laughs> the first time of COVID, uh, I would get the Utica Club beers. I would order lunch and oh, get cool. Utica, Utica yeah, Club beers. Yeah, we love right? Utica Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, yeah. uh, yeah, we were there were so many kind of iterations about like we wanted to definitely have an outdoor space and we wanted we had grand plans for like a roof deck and yeah you know then comes the practicality right. of like two egresses and <laughs> blah 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 yeah so. what's um I mean take COVID out of the situation what's the um, what's is there is there a uh, most challenging aspect of being a bike shop and cafe owner? What? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, obviously, I think you can't do it alone. So your team is huge. And we've definitely learned a lot about everything yeah. since being open in this space. And our, our team is just so much bigger like whereas before we could get by with fewer bodies and now it's just yeah it's not possible so figuring out how how that works but i mean like owning a restaurant there's always something that like is broken or need some sort of fire that needs to be put out whatever it is and then you add in like the building Mm -hmm. But it's they're all problems that like we're happy that we don't have to rely on someone else for. Yeah. Um, but oh geez, yeah, it's it's really the day to day stuff that can get in the way of yeah. where you want to go. But I think just having the right people there is yeah. is the answer. What was it like to be a business owner in Westcott? Uh, versus where you are now. Like, I'd imagine Westcott has got to have, like, a super tight-knit group of, like, the restaurant owners. I mean, well, when we were there, it was, I mean, 
Dorian's and uh, Alto and yeah. Recess and like, um, you know, there's a lot of businesses that have come and gone in that time, yeah. but. I, yeah, the customers are obviously very different. Like it, we had a, a lot of, there's more foot traffic on Westcott. Yeah. So that you just get people hopping through just because they're walking around or, um, it was, there were a lot more students that came like right now, although there are, there's more close student housing with those new yeah. apartments, they don't really seem to yeah come our way. Um, there, but it was definitely like a, a grad student like laptop spot in the yeah. cafe for a while. Um, at, the, had, at the current space? At the old space. At the old space. Uh, not so much at the current space at all. Um, just because it's more of like restaurant service. Yeah. Um, and the bike shop was a lot, yeah, a lot more students and a lot more like international students. But now I feel like we just get people from all over, like yeah. suburbs, mm. just regular people. It's not so much yeah. like student oriented. Yeah. Um, mm. But I don't know. And yeah. I mean, you. I remember you sent me an email a while ago. I forget when that was. Spring. I feel maybe? like it was before. It was before COVID. Was it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it must have been right before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just talking about, like, some sort of a group of, like, owners. Yes. And we've talked about that before. I I, you know, I, I, I had the idea. Um, I apologize, Mark, because I know you listen to my podcast, but whatever. Um, <laughs> we talked about doing it at Gearhars. Yeah. And, um, you know, one thing I think Gearhars has lacked for, like, 50 years that they've been in business. They do a phenomenal job. But one thing that they have lacked is... I feel like they should have been establishing themselves as sort of like the, like what I am, like the eat local New York, you know, to like the local restaurant scene. Um, And they didn't. And um, we do a lot of business, a lot of big business all across the country. But I just feel like in Syracuse, we should be, we should be known as like the supporters of local restaurants. Right. Um, We're getting there. We're doing more. Um you know, it's not like now that I'm there, I'm doing this, but just being there and um, and having the ability to do this stuff, you know, having all the camera gears and the audio gear to be able to produce our own stuff is a huge uh, benefit because production companies typically charge a ton of money to do that kind of stuff. So we're kind of slowly getting there trying to do, we started doing like customer spotlight videos and cooking videos with local restaurants and the podcast and just all that kind of stuff. Anything we can do to kind of get the word out there about the local right. spot. So we're slowly getting there. But that email that you'd sent me, um, I'd mentioned that to the whole crew there. And they're like, yeah, you know, once we can get people together, that's awesome. I would love to have something. It's, it's just it's my idea was to do like a, a monthly meetup at Gearhars and have Michael Scrow kind of lead it. That'd be cool. So that way it's kind of like, it's not just like a group of restaurant owners getting together and, um, you know, some owners are, can be like, I'll tell you everything. Some owners are like really quiet. They don't, you know, they're, they're worried about like competition and whatnot. Yeah. 
And my thought was having somebody like Michael there to do like a, you know, this month we're going to talk about how to be a better leader, you know, um, how to listen to your employee. You know, he would have his right. own stuff that he would do. Yeah. I thought that'd be really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember what had sparked it, but I had listened to a couple episodes and it like struck a chord with whatever I was going through at that moment yeah. in time. But I, I was thinking a lot about it because, you know, we had just come out of that dark winter yeah. and I actually had started seeing a therapist like again mm-hmm. and which has been off and on. And yeah. she asked me, she's like, so do you think this is helping you? And I was like, you know, <laughs> I, I, yes. Yeah. And the fact that like, I really did not have anyone to talk to about yeah. anything that's going on in my life. Yeah. Like, because like, okay, Steve and I talk about work, but it's like, we don't want to talk about work all right. the time. Yeah. And then it's like, we both understand, we both know, but somebody else, yeah. please. Right. <laughs> and, um, can't talk to your employees. Yeah. And it's like your friends, like, do I even have friends really? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's right. Like hard to have like a personal life and have time to have like friends and like all my friends that I have access to right now are like, I've met you through the bike shop. So it's like, (laughs) you know, where does my life end? And it's just work, but like just having somebody to talk to who understands. And I just felt like, um, at least in, you know, when we opened the cafe, um, back in 2011 and recess was the spot. Yeah. Like there was some pushback and it's Mm. like when we took over, um, second, it was called second story. And it's like, we, like are not adding another one we're just you know keeping this other spot going and like people like i felt like some people were mad about this like Mm. neighborhood like westcott's tricky yeah and i feel like a lot of that has changed and it's eased up and we've just been a lot more like welcoming Mm. to small businesses um and i love jesse and adam like yeah like we have been longtime customers and they're really great people uh, yes and like they get it you know i see them it's like oh hey like old friend kind of um but i had them on the podcast a while ago and uh we were talking about how there is this other person who didn't care for them uh because they did the same thing and i remember adam just so innocently he was like I just don't know why he doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that too. Yeah. And like, I, so I felt like, um, you know, Syracuse has at least in the food world has more of like a competitive vibe versus like a, like that something of camaraderie. Like mm-hmm. you feel obviously cause it's different when we, we've gone to like, bike kind of expos and stuff throughout the years and it's just instant camaraderie but it's like we're not in the same city you're not our direct competition and just kind of like craved that connection for the restaurant world yeah and you know i i had been in small business like family business groups but i always felt like an odd one because it's like right we're just a small restaurant and a bike shop we don't own like a canning factory yeah (laughs) we're not like a it right like you could still learn from each other but it wasn't super applicable or 
everyone in these groups are like 50, 60. Mm-hmm. It's like, here I am. Right. 25, 27. <laughs> and like, I, I can't really relate. Yeah. Like I can, I can learn from what you're going through and, yeah. uh, and apply whatever that is to my own situation, but just at different levels. And even like the other types of like business groups out there, like even I tried some women's business groups and it's like the same thing. It's like, I, I'm not at the, like we're right. I'm not getting anything from this, (laughs) but you know, it's very, very challenging. There's no question about that. I mean, I have um, like our business is such little risk. I mean, it's almost no risk. And I think having a failed business in the past has made me do it that way. Um, uh, yeah, we've just, it's kind of a scary time because, so we, for, we have a few different sides of the business. We have the eat local card sales. Um, and that's really busy from end of September to January 1st, right? That's when like 90% of the people buy the card and we just had a great year. We, you know, went more than double from what we sold last year, which is awesome. Um, and then we have the marketing side and we do the marketing for a bunch of restaurants in town. And I mean, that's what kind of funds everything. Um, and so that's really exciting and I love doing all of that. And we live in the North side. We don't like the North side. Um, my wife's from Boonville, you know, hour and a half, you know, North, um, quiet town and like the Adirondack sort yeah. of a thing. Um, I wish I didn't buy my house. I bought it before, you know, a year or two before we ever met each other. Uh, just don't like living in the city. I've found out. Um, uh, although we do have chickens in a nice big yard. So that's been fun. Um, to have we used that. to have city chickens. Did you? Yeah. When we, we used to live just on Otisco street right okay. here. So yeah. near West side. Yeah. Um, funny story about our chickens. Um, one of them escaped and it was missing for like the entire summer. And then like October, November rolls around. It's back in our yard. Are you serious? Yes. Do you have any idea what happened? I feel like somebody had their like egg laying basement chicken and we're, and it was like winter or maybe not even basement because it was summer. So like, yeah. like, what do we do with this now? Let's give it back. <laughs> We got them. Um, I had a lot of ideas during like the early days of COVID, how I was going to be as busy and yada, yada, yada. And I was going to do more stuff at the house. And so in quarantine, one of those things was going to be to have a garden, but we have a huge yard. I bought the empty lot next to our house. Um, we first, when I first bought the house, so we have a really big yard for the city, but during COVID, I was like mowing the grass every week and I was like, plant a garden and we're going to have yeah. a little mini urban farm and, um, the ground has never had anything. So I was like, all right, well, I really need to spend a oh, season yeah. getting the ground ready. How do I do that? Chickens, you know, I was like Googling composting oh, yeah. and then, oh, chickens would be great. So we got chickens. Yeah. Um, our house, like same thing. Like we, ha- we got the empty lot next door Yeah, and it took us five years before our soil was really really good wow so yeah then we moved yeah <laughs> do you still have chickens yes we do yeah. that's cool how many do you have uh right now there's 
seven. Okay, that's what we have. Yeah. We got uh, we got ten like right from when they were hatched. I was trying to find somebody around here and I just couldn't. We I wanted Rhode Island Reds, um, just for the noise level and, um, I just couldn't find anywhere near anywhere like within fifty miles that had them or like at least you know babies that we could buy. So I did buy them online, which I wasn't thrilled about, but um, we got them like literally two days after they were hatched. And um, one of them turned out to be a rooster, so we sent her to somebody in the country that didn't mind having a rooster. And uh, and then one of them, two of them, passed, like died when they uh, passed away. Holy cow! Um, I mean, it was a chicken at the end of yeah, the day. I know. <laughs> uh, the Lord took it home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, two of them died when they were like babies. Um, so we have, uh, so we've got seven of them, and uh, they just started laying like maybe three weeks ago. So it's yeah. wild to every night when I go home, I go there's seven eggs just waiting. It's it's insane to think yeah. about. Um, I'm not getting the benefits of having chickens in the yard though because it's fenced in. But we have a lot of like neighborhood cats, and I don't want to lose any of them. So I built just like a we have the I have a pen for them that's like you know, netting on top. So they really, it's a big space, Yeah, uh, more space than they need. Gotta let them free range. I know. I mean, we, so we never really had, the only time a chicken died in the five, six years we had city chickens Mm -hmm. was because a dog got back there. Okay. But, you know, we've had seen all sorts of like city pests until we moved to more of the country and, We've lost our whole flock twice. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's crazy. I have a friend who Just lives. The cycle of life. Yeah. A friend of mine lives in Manlius and he has a bunch of chickens and, um, he would just, you know, he would let them out in the yard free range all day long while he was gone at work and, he would just always text. He would always send me like a text, like a picture, like I lost one or I came home and one of them's missing. I don't know yeah. what happened, you know. Um, Stuff like that. And I know it'll happen, but I just, I don't want it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the biggest things is I don't want like a neighbor. I don't want it to like one of the chick, one of the girls actually. I'm yeah. going to talk about them, how I talk about them. Yeah. I don't want one of the girls <laughs> to, you know, hop a fence yeah. and, uh, and then me get a, you know, come home to an angry neighbor or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love having them. They're great. You know, um, they're fun. Um, it's, uh, Every time I walk out our back door, which is the door we use to like go in and out of the house, the like the uh, coop is right there, and they come like waddling up to the door because they're you know they want to yeah, get treats. out and free range or you know we give them treats and uh, yeah it's just I really enjoy having them. Yeah, um, they're fun. Yeah. So uh, I forget why I was talking about chickens. I don't remember. It was one of the quarantine <laughs> things. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. So I just said that I was going to be less busy. And that hasn't been the case. But we have goals to – our plan is to move out, out, like buy a house somewhere in the country-ish suburbs. Uh, We don't want to be, like, completely removed from everybody, uh, but we also don't want to be, like, in, like, a a development or anything like that. So we're looking at just moving, buying a new house in, like, you know, the spring, summertime. And – we're, I'm 34. We've been married now for a year and a half. We don't have any kids yet. The plan is to start having any kids in you know a couple of years. So just thinking about like thinking through like I was thinking in like 
during uh, when I had COVID. I was like, all right, what do I want our life to look like, like financially? Like in 10 years when we have kids and, you know, they're getting older, like um, do we want to go on like two big vacations a year with them? Like, you know, do we want to have like that kind of a life? Do we want to like what kind of a car do we want to drive? What kind of a house do we want to live? Like all that stuff. Yeah. And then because I am always constantly looking forward to what's happening next, I was like, all right, well, if this is all the things that we've talked about, how much is that going to cost? Like what right. will we need to make a year in order for that to happen? Um, because working a full-time job and then having this business, which is another full-time job, is not going to fly when oh, yeah. we start to have kids. Well, I think that really was part of our success at the beginning was, you know, we were coming at this as poor college students yeah. used to living that life. Right. And like I had a serving job that, you know, paid the bills for the business and us yeah. <laughs> um, for our first, you know, almost a year. Great. Um, but yeah, if once you get used to a certain like yeah. level, it's hard. Like, and then, you know, owning a bike shop is a dream for a lot of people. Yeah. So it's like you want it at a certain level and you also want to live at a certain level right. and it's sometimes not <laughs> work going to work Doesn't out. Does it coincide? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's I feel like I'm approaching. I'm not there quite yet, but I'm approaching that ugly phase where it's going to have to be one or the other before I hit the goal. The goal is for us to have 20 marketing clients. So once this business hits 20 marketing clients, then we can, I can kind of quit and we can be fine and you know, live like our normal life. Um, and as soon as I set that goal and kind of put it to paper and uh, my wife is opposite of me. Um, she's not, she has zero desire to start or run a business. <laughs> um, she has a great job, you know, she yeah. has her MBA and has a great job and, uh, and she's fine with that, and that's how she's really successful at those things. Um, but when it comes to like, yeah, you know, like talking about the coffee company, she's freaking out, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I set that goal, and immediately I'm like, all right, let's go after it. And not really with without doing anything, we picked all of a sudden we had like three clients start contacting us uh, to, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And so it's just been like the last two weeks have been absolutely insane. And uh, I'm learning as running the business that I have to have like really strong systems in place. Oh, yeah. I have to like, I can't, you know, you can't, you know, it's, it's difficult to like slack off. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I, I think it was 2014. I don't remember, but um, did the... SBA has like a emerging leaders programs and they call it the um, streetwise MBA. So basically it's for business owners who are established and you learn business things. Yeah. And, you know, the big takeaway was, you know, all of us were working too hard in our business and not on our business. Yeah. And so like sometimes you just need to take a break and yeah. just figure out those systems right. before you go any further. <laughs> yeah. So what's been the most inspirational thing that you can think of in the last 
five years. Oh gosh! Actually, don't answer that. Well, <laughs> okay. No, answer that question. We're gonna come like to, back to something. Inspirational, like, like for you as a business, or you know what? Even as a person. Yes. I found uh, <laughs> I used to be so much more. Uh, I don't know how to phrase this. Like worldly romantic. I used to like read a lot more and write and yeah. like you know and stop and have connections with people and now i'm just like no i've got yeah. a, like my yeah, calendar no. says this uh and i don't like that about myself um but i'll find like little inspirational things from time to time uh that'll help me uh so what's been that for you that you can think of um geez no. well i mean i have always i guess i like the whole this like dark period, <laughs> you know, where I, I like lost my sense of self because business kid, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like I worked a lot on like things that make me happy. Like, who am I now? Like, do I yeah. still like to do all these things that I used to like to do? And I started, uh, cross stitching okay. at night <laughs> and well, it was just like a mindless activity that I would do in bed, yeah. half watching TV, you yeah. know, and did a few of those and that just like got me out of the funk yeah. and like rekindled some other you know more art based yeah. things that i love to do still but have don't have time for um yeah and i don't know just like finding little things like that yeah really just little little joys yeah not like big projects but maybe like tiny more yeah. Accomplishable ones. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, have you guys talked about like, do you have a, like, is there an end goal for the business? Um, you know, I guess the more immediate goal is to like get the business to a, a place where, um, we are organized and have all the systems that we need in yeah. place, like for the time being, I guess, until yeah. that next growth whatever it is happens but um you know we just picked up specialized brand um oh, cool. so that's kind of a big deal for us yeah, that's and um you know obviously we want to just continue to work on and in our business but want to take it to a place where either we sell it or whatever it is yeah. people would always just ask oh you should open a melavello blah 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 or wherever yeah. and we're like hell no like this <laughs> is hard enough in one location yeah. but now it's kind of like i'm seeing that as like okay maybe that could happen yeah. maybe i wouldn't say it's like necessarily a goal yeah but i could see that happening um yeah. for sure more mm. now <laughs> yeah i, I want to i've said it for a while i, I want to work towards this business either getting to a place where we become so popular with like the card sales that uh, we list them for sale, like kind of like the coupon books, like every year it comes out, 20,000 people buy a card. That's great. And that's it. You know, we manage like the business from there uh, or build it to a place where we sell it. You know, we have some big person that wants to come in and buy the business from us. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid that like running a business has turned me into a person that I'm just always going to have to have something. I can't. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like it's actually incredible to think about like 
the amount of projects that we do now compared yeah. to like when we first started, like when we were building out the original shop for the first time, like it took us probably two, at least two months mm. to like build our countertops. Like we were super proud of ourselves. <laughs> we like dadoed where the shelves were going and I like painted a little emblem on it and you know we like preserved like the live edge of the wood and like did all this like i built like this uh bulletin board thing that somehow was super important (laughs) at the time and like now we're we just like laugh at ourselves because that would literally be like an afternoon done (laughs) we've just gotten more efficient and like yeah i don't know we just you just do more yeah yeah i know yeah. You just see these projects and somehow like try renovating a an entire building. Oh, now everything seems like a small project. Yeah. I'm sure. Like mm. Yeah. The our current like project that we're um that's kind of like a like we need another one, but we've been renovating an old camper trailer for two years. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like a gut job, but it's not a building. Yeah. It's just another insane project (laughs) i started um one of the goals for eat local is to become like the barstool sports but for local food so uh, in new york so we would just i want to eventually i want to have this constant content and be doing stuff um which as i say that out loud i think is kind of like pathetic um that that's (laughs) a goal uh but having said that so um yeah we've always had like nice cameras and I've always wanted to do some sort of a vlog from the business, but it's kind of a pain in the ass to like set up like an like an actual lens that I have to adjust like all the yeah. you know, aperture and everything with it, and make sure it looks you know yada yada yada. So recently we bought a GoPro uh, to use as a third camera, and it's like such an easy setup for me now. I can just walk around and I have like a nice mic on it and. Then I can vlog with that and just get quick stuff, and it, I just have to literally turn. It's like using my phone, just better. So I've been vlogging for like the last two weeks. We're putting out a weekly vlog now. Cool. Uh, it is cool, except like this week, I've really been thinking about like, what am I putting my time? You know. Yeah. January first, I was like really just thinking about what are the important things that I like in life in general, like in the list of what's important, most important. Um, and so my list was a spiritual relationship, relationship with my wife, uh, relationship with like uh, my health, and also kind of in the third spot, friends and family. And really far down on my list was the business, like way far down. But it does take up so much time. So it's uh, like I find myself like this week I was really proud of like an Instagram post and because it like got a lot of attention. But then I'm thinking like, man, that's like that really doesn't mean it. But then I'm also thinking about like creatively next door, kind of like what you're talking about, like um, thinking about like the set for this kind of stuff. It's like, all right, what do I want to what would be creatively really good to put over there, like paint on a wall or hang up or build a set or whatever the case is. And I'm like thinking now, like there's no. I don't have time for that. That stuff doesn't matter. But I think like that creative process in oh, yeah. as a business owner is very important. Whatever it is, whatever area it is. Oh yeah. You know. You got to find like the little things that give you joy. Right. Like what is the cross stitching of your business? Yeah. Right? Right. 
it's a creative outlet that you can it does make a difference and it kind of helps you zone out and do something cool and yeah, interesting for sure I gotta find my creative stitching. I got yeah. my cross stitching. I mean, I gotta figure out what that is. Yeah, like <laughs> even just like equipment buying or like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, like all this stuff is foreign to me. Yeah, but like I know it's like some people just yeah, it's their thing. I get way too into it. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. So, but that's the uh, the whole point of having this stuff uh, was to be able to offer it for free to like the restaurants on the eat local card. And so that's kind of been like our shtick from day one is all of the money that we make is going into this stuff so that yeah. we can do it for them. I mean, like the way that I think about it too, it's like who, who would do what you do if you weren't around? Like there, there wasn't like anything like this going on here before that I can think of. Like, yeah. Like, I think it's, I don't know. You must yeah. have like the metrics of, how many listeners and all that, right? Yeah, I do. It's it's way lower than I'd like it to be. The podcast, we get on like what we're doing here, um, we'll get usually like 100 to 100. And, uh, well, that's not true because of YouTube. We'll get about 400 in like that first week, viewers, listeners, whatever. And then it climbs up over time, um, which in the world of this is nothing. Like the world of podcasting, right? And stuff is very little. Um, and then now that we've launched the new shows, it's like, all right, if I put it on Instagram, it does this and that, and yada yada yada. And yeah, eventually we just like I want to, I want to be able to put out a post. Like ideally, in my dream scenario world, the podcast would go out. Sarah Morris from Mellow Velo, and you guys would get slammed like <laughs> that month. Yeah, you know. Um, it's the same effect that like Syracuse.com has. I mean, right. we had the article written about the local card and, you know, we sold a ton of cards that week. It's funny how people like forget about things too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Just need a reminder. Right. Um, so, I mean, ultimately that's what we would hope to do. That's what I would hope to happen from any of the stuff that we do. Um, we had a dinner group pre-COVID. And I uh, started like a meetup.com group. Um, and the concept was that we would just every month go out to eat at a different restaurant on an off night for them. So that way I could call a restaurant up that I know was kind of struggling and it would be like on a, their slowest night of the week. And I'd say, I'm going to bring X amount of people in. And we got the group up to maybe 20 to 25. And um, the, we did one really big event right after the cider mill had had like the article came out, of, this is maybe four years ago, that um, they had, like, a employee steal, like, tens of thousands of dollars from them. So we did a dinner, like, that month, and we had, like, 150 people show up to it. But for the most part, we'd have, like, 20 to 25. And it's still, I mean, for some restaurants, yeah. that's very impactful. And it was really just, like, me and a bunch of women, 65-plus, <laughs> like, some widows, divorcees, like, <laughs> some women, like, husbands just never left the house sort of a thing. Like, in, in your group? In the group that came out every week. Religiously? Was, or yeah. Like, like, every month we would do oh, a dinner, wow. and it would be the same, same. people. That's yeah. interesting. It was really interesting. We shut the group down since COVID. Yeah. But, um, but I want to be able to do that, but just... You know, like I said, make the post and all of a sudden people flock that business. That 
that's when I feel like uh, we would have like made it as a business. Is when we, when we can affect the outcome of a business for someone positively by just telling people about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hopefully that happens. You have to let me know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for. Yeah. Well, Sarah, you've said it all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming down yeah. on a Saturday night. Of course, yeah. Thank you. Know, you. Being on the podcast, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out the Eat Local New York podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed to the channel. That way you know the moment a new episode is released. And don't forget to leave us a review and let us know what you think of the podcast. That is the lifeblood. It's the currency of the podcasting world, our reviews and subscribe. So if you haven't done those things, do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. And that's pretty much it. You can follow us online at eatlocalnystate.com. See what we're up to, so see what we have going on. And that's all I'm going to talk about today. We're going to catch you next week right here on the Eat Local New York podcast. Mm-hmm.